Oh my god, it's happening. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. Stay calm. Stay effing calm. Good morning, listeners. My name is Wes Taylor, and this is the Daily Panthers podcast brought to you by no one. And as always, if you want to sponsor me, just let me know. I will literally sell my soul for anything. Anything at all. You pay me any amount of money to say anything. You want me to sponsor an item I don't agree with? Guess what? I am your biggest fan. Anyway, let's move on. We finally got it. I have been asking for it for months and months since February. I have been asking for something that didn't exist yet. Panthers Confidential. And we got something even better. We got Panthers Blueprint. A three-part series coming in late June that gives us a look into the process that it took to get Bryce Young. There are a few other things that it looks like that it might cover, so we can definitely go over those and speculate for the next few weeks of what it might look like. Luckily, as of recording this podcast, it is May 30th. Let me see, January, February, March, April. May has 31 days, so it's almost June, day after tomorrow. Don't ever forget that if you make a fist and then you start with your knuckle on your index finger, you just go knuckle, gap, knuckle, gap, knuckle, gap, knuckle, and then you start back over with the other knuckle, and you'll get it right every time as to which days have 30 and which ones have 31 and 28, whatever. No one cares about February, but yeah, just do that. You'll get it right every time. You can't do fingers. Well, I guess you could do fingers as long as you only do the four and not your thumb. That could also work, Uh, but it also gets the double 31s with July and August. Thanks a lot, Caesar. But I digress. Uh, but the Panthers Confidential was probably my favorite thing that the Panthers have done media-wise probably ever outside of some of the highlights videos and stuff, especially during the Super Bowl year. They've done a lot of really fun things with schedule releases. They've done, before Matt Rule was here, they did a lot of fun things with the social media team and all of that stuff is really fun and I really enjoy it, but Something about just getting a behind-the-scenes look as to what is going on. I've always been a really big fan of that, specifically. So going back to the um, Hard Knocks with all the different teams that have done it. I don't think the Panthers have ever done it, if I remember correctly. There was an opportunity for us to do it, but they did not want us. I think they chose the Lions instead. And there are certain stipulations when you're eligible, when you're not I don't remember all of them, but I do remember if you have a rookie quarterback, you're not eligible. So we been knew that that wasn't going to be us this season. I think maybe if you have a new head coach, you're not eligible. It's like two years or something. So, and they also usually pick this. I think the like the Cowboys have done it like three times, and um, yeah, they they tend to pick teams that they feel like can sell, and they don't feel like Charlotte is a market that can sell. Let's just be honest; they never have, they never will. But Panthers Confidential is a nice version of that. Um, There's also, if you haven't seen it back in the day, when I used to watch the Seahawks, because I was a big big Russell Wilson fan, not anymore, but back before he didn't have his head screwed on straight, he was with the Seahawks, and uh, there was a guy on there, his name, I think it was Michael Robinson. 
he was the fullback for them. He would do something called the Real Rob Report, and he would like f- basically do like a vlog style in the locker room and like film guys. And it wasn't like that professionally done. I mean, it was okay, but he had a good personality, and you got to see the behind the scenes look, especially when they were in the playoffs. That was always really cool. So I've always, always, always enjoyed the behind the scenes look into what it was like or what it is like to be in an NFL locker room without any of the naked men. Let's leave that part out. But uh, so if you've seen the preview for the Panthers blueprint is what it's called. I'm not sure. I assume the name is just like maybe an homage to the new process blue that we're getting. And, you know, that was news of blueprint process blue, you know, something like that. It's a three part series in late June. So we are, probably about a month away at this point i would think that they would say late june because they just don't want to have a definite date they don't want to be held down but i don't imagine it coming early so at the very least it's gonna be i think the earliest we could expect it is probably like june 24th i would imagine that's like the start of quote-unquote late june but we've seen a lot of different things in panthers confidential so let's just go over the the video scene by scene here so you pan over the stadium bank of america stadium maybe that is a suggestion that we're getting a new stadium or a new roof or they're retrofitting it i'm just kidding bryce young getting introduced and then you got frank reich talking about the process of trading up to number one and mentioning that it didn't look likely and then suddenly it did and you've got them talking about that process so that trade up is going to be a big portion of this video and then you've got them saying um, stuff at the Combine they were filming. Miles Sanders saying that he loves it here. You've got Adam Thielen with his kid making a one-handed catch. You've got Thomas Brown coaching. You've got him, Scott Fitterer saying this is where it gets interesting now. We saw a clip of Deuce Staley. We saw a clip of Josh McCown. And we saw a clip of what I believe to be Bradley Bozeman's wife. Hold on, let me... It's one frame. Oh yeah, that's definitely Bradley Bozeman and his wife with their baby. So that's definitely going to be part of it. I wonder if it will like go back to free agency. I mean, there's quite a few free agents in this video, so I'd imagine it would. But I wonder how into free agency they're going to get because I... If I remember correctly, Panthers Confidential, I had to rewatch it, but it was mostly just the draft. I don't remember it going all the way back to free agency. Or maybe not back, but I just don't remember free agency being a part of it. I, If I remember, it's just like the draft and the trades on draft night. So it looks like maybe they're going to be doing a little bit more with the free agency and training camp, um, or OTAs at least. And you've got Frank Reich getting excited. And the Panthers blueprint. They really drug that logo out. A three-part docu-series is what it says. Coming late June. So there's a lot of little tidbits in there from the video. I mean, you could do a whole podcast, like 10 things that we learned from the video. We got the Bozeman. So his signing is probably going to be in there and what they think about Charlotte. By all, all accounts, their own accounts, it seems like they really love Charlotte. So I'm not surprised to see them in the video I would not be surprised if we got to see more background on that. And then it showed Adam Thielen catching a ball. I think that is kind of 
an ode to his free agency signing. And then you got Miles Sanders coming into the stadium for the first time saying he loves it. And I mean, I would love it too if I was being paid $25 million. But either way, it's going to be cool to see those pieces of it. So we're going to get some free agency signings. It did show a couple of the rookies that I saw. I spotted Mingo. I spotted Bryce Young. You know that that's going to be a part of it. Obviously, you can't sign the first overall guy and make a video called Blueprint and not bring him up. So I would imagine that Bryce Young is going to take up most of the first episode. It also didn't say how long the episodes are going to be. So it could be 45 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. I think Panthers Confidential was like 24 minutes or so. So I wish that they would do something that I don't, I'm sure other conferences do this too, but the ACC does something where they like will follow a team. I was able to watch the NC State one last year and it was like each week was I think a 30 minute episode. So it was really cool to see the different stages of the program and different background on the coaches and their approach over the summer. And um, I wish the Panthers would do something like that where it's like a whole season's where it's like, I know that last year, I think it's ESPN who does hard knocks. I can't remember, but um, they did a an in-season hard knocks with the Indianapolis Colts, which probably ended up being a really big bummer for them because they're like, we are finally doing this for the first time and it is possibly the worst team in the NFL. Okay, so... Panthers Confidential was 34 minutes, I just looked, and I think there's a commercial in there too, so about 30 minutes of content for that, so more than I said. So I would imagine that Blueprint will probably be around the same time limit, but three times, so I would imagine it's probably going to be about 35 minutes released, probably, I'm guessing, like a week apart from each other, maybe a little bit more. I don't know, they've never done anything like this to my knowledge, I don't remember much to compare it to. I think that they've had a lot of success with Panthers Confidential and it going really well for them and the fans loving it. And it's just something that's really easy to do, I feel like, because the content writes itself. You don't really have to come up with anything. Of course, you have to edit the videos and capture the shots, but those types of things are inherently interesting. You don't have to add any content to it to make it more interesting. Um, Because the people who find it interesting are just really just wanting to see behind the scenes like me. I'm like, I don't really care what they say or what happens. I just want to see it. I want to see what it's like. And I think it's going to be really exciting. I'd love to see some free agent, like negotiations with agents, like actual agents. Did y'all see the thing about um, the, the Cardinals releasing DeAndre Hopkins and then the teams being nervous to contact him because he's using a an agent who is not certified by the NFLPA. So if you don't know, there's certain agents who are certified by the NFLPA, just like there are certain financial advisors, etc. I don't know if they how many different jobs they do it for. Like I don't know if they have certified trainers or certified uh, surgeons, etc. I mean I would imagine they would have something like that or at least recommendations. But to basically to be able to be sanctioned and talk to NFL GMs and teams, you have to basically be on the list. And they are worried that it's someone who DeAndre Hopkins has hired or not hired. Like it might just be DeAndre. And they don't want to email him because they're afraid that they're going to violate NFL. I don't know if it's NFL tampering rules or something else. 
but basically they're afraid they're going to get in trouble because they're talking to someone who's either not certified or not real. So they've just been calling him directly and talking to him directly with face-to-face contact or FaceTime or phone call, things like that. So that's just a very interesting little twist to me. And I think the Cardinals are such a an incompetent franchise. They're like, honestly, ever since Kurt Warner left that, the Cardinals have gone downhill. And I can't believe that they are, like, they're, people are saying that they're tanking, which I guess I understand, but they just had the first overall pick a few years ago to get Kyler Murray, I think maybe four years ago. And then this year they had the, what, the third overall pick that they traded. They And I agree with their trade. They got a good value out of that trade because everyone knows the Texans are a great trade partner, as we found out a couple of years ago, and we got max points for our selections as well. They don't seem to care about points or analytics or winning. We already knew that. But that being said, with the Texans, they traded with the Cardinals, who were three. And then the Cardinals traded, I think, again, if I remember correctly, they traded number, who did they trade with? They traded with the Texans, who had 12. So I think they traded 12, too. I don't remember, but they they got a lot of value out of that draft. And I agree with what they did. But now they're tanking, and they want to be up in the draft again. Again, are they trying to be the 76ers? It just doesn't make much sense to me as to what they're doing. And also, how long of a leash does that GM really have? Because every other GM that I know of that's tried to tank has usually gotten fired, and then the next guy has gotten to step in and take over and really take advantage of those picks and everything. Like, look at the Browns, prime example. The dude built so much draft capital. They tank, 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 tanked every year built all that draft capital, and then he got fired and the next guy got to use it. So I don't I don't know. I don't really agree with what the Cardinals are doing, and I hope the Panthers never end up in that situation. But interesting thing to think about, it has been, we selected Cam Newton first overall in 2011. We selected Bryce Young first overall in 2023. So it's been 12 years since we had the first overall pick that we used for a quarterback. And it's kind of interesting to think about where the franchise was when they selected Cam Newton versus where they are now. I felt a lot more hopeless at that point than I do now. I feel very hopeful. I mean, I was thinking like, man, I hope Cam Newton works out, but he seemed like a pretty short thing to me. I mean, he's 6'5", 240, Heisman winner. And like the only question mark really was the amount of games played. It's kind of similar to the situation that Anthony Richardson was in, except with a lot more success. And a lot more statistical uh, performance in which you're like, yeah, this guy can play. He did it at the highest level. He took down Alabama by one point. And then you got someone like Anthony Richardson who struggled last year a lot of times. And his stats aren't nearly as gaudy as Cam Newton's were when he won the Heisman. So, yeah, I've talked about that comparison before. I'm not going to harp on that. But all in all, I am very excited to see... The Panthers blueprint, I keep wanting to say confidential. I think that confidential is probably a better name, in my opinion. The blueprint, I don't know, I'm sure it will make sense, but I'm not a huge fan of that. And I'm excited to see the behind the scenes. I wonder if we'll get some storylines that I'm interested in specifically. Um, Of course, Bryce Young trade, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, What they were thinking in the second round with Jonathan Mingo, I'm very curious of that. The DJ Johnson piece is going to be very interesting because that was a questionable trade, and it still will be, honestly. It's just going to 
be a matter of what shows up on the field. I think that it will turn out okay, but that's probably just me being hopeful. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, this draft is going to be the one that makes or breaks Scott Fitterer. This is going to be his... It's going to be his magnum opus. It's going to be the thing that he is defined by. If Scott Fitterer is still a GM here in two years, it's because this draft class did well. And if he is not, it will be because this draft class did not do well. He's run out of opportunities. He's run out of chances. This is the make or break season for him. Well, maybe not make or break season, but make or break class. I don't think necessarily they all have to be all pros this year immediately, but they have to show some sort of like competence of the GM of like Scott Fitter knows what he's doing. These guys are making an impact. We can see the potential in the future here with these guys. And if that doesn't happen, I think Scott Fitter is walking on thin ice. He is, his seat is warming up. You know, in the newer cars, they have like a low and a high heat seat warmer setting. His seat is on the low warm setting where you're like, it is like there's a tingle there. You don't, you're not even sure. You're like, is it just because my butt is hot on the leather? Or do I accidentally have the seat warmer on because I had it on last time and forgot to turn it off because it was cold and now it's 70 degrees because it's North Carolina and it gets 30 at night and 80 in the day. So it's going to be that kind of seat this year for Scott Fitter. And then if it doesn't work out and we have a five win season or something, you know, you really have to point to what the record was before this year and look and see like we won five games, I think three seasons in a row and then. Last year, we won seven games. I think we outperformed our talent on the field, especially when we have no quarterback. And then uh, you have basically a whole a whole season's worth of games that will kind of determine Scott Fitterer's standing. And if the Panthers don't improve, if they win, I think if they win probably less than six games, so five or less, this season is a wash it is a failure and scott fitter's seat is going to warm up i think it will go from that low setting to that high setting and then if the next season they don't do well i could see him getting fired or either just being on like a blazing hot seat it's going to get very interesting and with frank reich as a hire i don't remember how many years frank reich was assigned for i think maybe it was four Um, so i could see that kind of coinciding with it as well you probably want to get a free, or GM and coach at the same time, or at least get the GM in so he can pick the coach that he wants to work with. Right now, it's it's kind of the way things have worked since Scott Fitter was there first. He definitely has something to say about Frank Wright coming in and being the guy. So right now, Scott Fitter has two years worth of drafts, maybe three drafts. I can't remember. He came in, I think it was 2021. So this is his third draft that he has done. So he did 2021, 2022, and 2023. That sounds right, yep. So he's got those three drafts to his name. The first two obviously have an asterisk because of the whole Matt Rule situation and how much control he had. We're still not sure. This is the first draft of his own, and he selected Frank Reich, who selected the rest of the coaching staff. So right now, as far as control goes, Scott Fitter has had complete control over some of the biggest decisions that we have made in a long, long time. Scott Fitter had full control over the first overall pick. 
obviously he was pushed by David Tepper. Nothing happens without his say-so. They don't call him Mr. Tepper for nothing. He's obviously the boss, and he has the final say. It's his money. It's his team. He's the owner. But Scott Fitter is the one who did the deal. His name is on the bottom line. Whether or not that is fair, that is the NFL. And David Tepper's not going to fire himself. So Scott Fitterer is the one responsible for Frank Reich, too. I mean, not completely, but you want a GM to be able to pick their coach. And if Scott Fitterer felt so strongly about another coach, especially someone like a um, who Ben Johnson or another coach like that, like I don't think that Frank Reich would have been hired if Scott Fitterer didn't want him hired. I think that Scott Fitterer has that much say. It's not like David Temper just gets to be the only person in the room with a voice. Yes, his voice carries the most weight because, again, it is his money. Whether or not you think his decision is correct or you think the fact that the GM is the one who's going to be on the hook for whether or not the team performs or the coach performs, that's just the way that it is. It's a business. Everyone knows this going into it. Frank Reich knew it going into it. But Frank Reich is starting with a fresh, clean slate. And we hope that Scott Fitterer is too. He's been able to make his own decisions here. And part of that is Frank Reich. So he's put himself in bed, so to speak, with Bryce Young and Frank Reich. How much influence David Tipper have had over those decisions? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because David Tepper wants someone who's going to get it done, like any owner does. And I'm not saying this as a fan or a detractor of David Tepper. I'm pretty neutral on him as a whole. I think he's done an okay job up to this point. I think he's been trying to make too big of a splash. And I think he's learned to take a step back and take a seat. But then again, this trade for number one overall, that's about the biggest splash that you can make without signing someone like Tom Brady or something like that. And then we tried to go for Deshaun Watson. And then we traded up to number one. We have been making big splash after big splash. And, you know, eventually we are going to have to just chill out. And I think that's why we didn't make any major trades. Like, we didn't trade back up into the first round to get Jason Smith and Jigba or anything like that. Because we just, we're running out, we ran out of assets, to be honest. We traded a lot of assets. I think it was the right decision, but we traded a lot of assets to get Bryce Young we got rid of a lot of draft capital to be able to do that. A lot of points, if you will. And some young talent with DJ Moore. You just run out, okay? If you're not trading back, which we have not traded back in the first two or three rounds in a while. We've traded back in the fourth and fifth rounds. And we've traded back sixth and seventh rounds. But we've been trading up. We love to trade up in the third round. We did so twice in the past two years. We traded up for um, DJ Johnson, and then we traded up for Matt Corral in the third round. So around the third round is when we like to start getting our value, and after we like to start getting our value. Um, we haven't really capitalized on it yet, but that's when we like to get our value. And that being said, I think that it's going to be interesting because we just we ran out of draft capital and the next year we're going to be out of draft capital because we're not going to have a first round pick and I don't I don't think we'll have a second round pick I don't remember exactly I don't I think we won't have a pick basically in the top 100 picks if if I remember correctly I have to go back and look at the trade line by line and see but if I remember it was two first two seconds and DJ Moore but 
um, yeah, we're, we just don't have the capital right now to make moves unless we want to trade someone like, like we already did aging veterans. We basically got a whole draft out of Robbie Anderson and CMC outside of that first round pick. We got a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. And we basically used those to get to the first round pick event. Essentially that's what happened. So if you think back to the timeline, what happened basically was, DJ Moore caught an improbable touchdown against the Falcons and took his helmet off to celebrate. And then we got the first overall pick. Now, there's a lot of stuff, obviously, that happened in between that. But essentially, that is what led us to having the first overall pick. Because if you think about it, we then missed the extra point because of the 15-yard penalty. So it was a 53-yard kick. And then we had to go to overtime in which we missed another kick. Eddie Pinheiro, one of the most accurate kickers in the history of the NFL, missed another kick, and then we lost to the Falcons. Which, the difference in one game between the draft is was basically like eight spots, probably. So instead of trading up from number nine, we're trading up from probably number 15 or 16. Maybe not eight spots, but 15 or 16, I think. Because instead of seven and ten, we are eight and nine. And maybe we go in with a little more confidence against another team and we beat them and then we end up winning the division because we would have had a great division record and tiebreakers galore. And I think we would have been five and one in the division. Well, six and oh if we would have beaten the Bucks the second time, which we would have gotten confidence from our win against the Falcons. So Essentially, we could have been 6-0 in the division and then taken home the division crown. Instead, we were 4-2 with losses against the Falcons and the Bucks. So, basically, DJ Moore taking his helmet off led to us getting Bryce Young and DJ Moore being at the Bears. Think about that. Kind of funny. Uh, but it would have been nice to have CMC still for this this rookie quarterback. How much... How much would that have been? Like CMC and DJ Moore for a rookie quarterback, but we ended up having to trade both of them. So now we've lost our two best skill positions to be able to hand the keys over to. If you would have told me a few years ago, we traded our number one wide receiver who's had three 1,000-yard seasons, and we traded the number one back in the NFL, at least paid like it, whether or not he is is up for argument. I mean, you can argue running backs all day long, but um, he's in the top three for sure. So you've got CMC up there. And if you would have told me three years ago, we traded CMC and DJ Moore and two first round picks and two second round picks and Robbie Anderson for one guy, one guy, I would have probably had an aneurysm. Yes, we got some other picks and things that we've used, but we traded one of those third round picks to get up to DJ Johnson, and then we sent one of the second round picks that we got, well, the second round pick that we got in the CMC trade to be able to get DJ Moore, um, but basically getting that draft capital gave us the confidence to move, and I think that is just an interesting way to look at the timeline, or you know, if you go further back, TJ Watt ruining cam newton's shoulder led us to this point um, however you want to cut it and i can do a whole podcast on this too cam newton's career was a bit of a disappointment at the end of the day yes he won an mvp yes we got to a super bowl that i think we should have won to be honest Kotri caught it i don't care what anyone says 
but he was only here. He got drafted in 2011. What was his last year? Was it 2017? Maybe 2018. Um, but in those six or seven seasons, we lost a lot of games. We only had, I think, two winning seasons. And we made the playoff three times, I think, with Cam Newton. And, um, you know, when you draft a guy like that, if you draft a guy in 2011, you don't necessarily expect to have the number one overall pick only 10 years later. Okay, so he was, oh yeah, well they're counting 2019. So he was with us from 2011 to 2018. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons. And he played pretty much all of those games that year. And then 2019, he was only with us for two games. Out of those seasons, we had three winning seasons, 12 and four, 15 and one, 11 and five. And if you remember, we won the division uh, one of those years with a losing record. I think it was, was it wasn't 2014, was it? We were five and eight. Uh, but uh, the basically, if you draft a guy number one overall, you'd you'd want him to be able to play until he's like 37, 38 years old, like a Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or Philip Rivers or Drew Brees, Tom Brady. All of these guys, but Cam Newton's play style just led him to getting straight up abused. And same thing for the refs who did not call. It's kind of like when Shaq would get fouled in the NBA. It's like he would get fouled every play. He'd be on the free throw line every play, but it's Cam Newton's just so big. I wonder if Bryce Young will get more pass or roughing the passer penalties because he's so small. That's kind of always the reason they told us that Cam Newton did get roughing the passer penalties. So I guess we'll see. We will see once and for all if that case was the case. Two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so he played eight seasons with the Panthers from 2011 to 2018. I'm not going to count 2019. He was only here for two games. But, um, yeah, so I I kind of consider that to be a little bit of a disappointment. You'd hope that he would play well into his 30s now these days. But some of the eight best years of the franchise's history – Three winning seasons, a couple of playoff appearances, or three playoff appearances, if I remember correctly, and a Super Bowl appearance, so, and an MVP season. So, all in all, you know, it was, it was a good a good run for Cam in Carolina. You just wish that it lasted longer. We should not be drafting a quarterback first overall right now. But, God, I miss having just a guy that you don't have to go in the offseason wondering who we're... It's been so long since we've gone into an offseason and been like, we definitely have an answer at quarterback. And this is going to be the first time that we're able to do that. So I'm excited about that. But thank you so much for listening, y'all. I'll talk to you later. Peace.